Well, good morning, everybody. How are you all, world changers and giant slayers? You're good? Fantastic. I'm so excited about Epic and about what the Holy Spirit's going to do. You know, we've just been called to so much more than be church on a Sunday morning, right? Uh, We are the church. The church is us as people, not the building. We've talked about that before. Um, And so, you know, the Epic Conference is a great opportunity to get together with some like-minded people and just hear what God's doing and get inspired for your workplace. So at the moment, we're kind of in a bit of an unofficial sermon series on uh, who we are in Christ. And um, a few weeks ago, I preached from Ephesians chapter 2. Last week, I preached about uh, in the mosh pit of everyone sort of uh, getting wrecked, which is always fun, um, about being Goliath's. Goliath slayers about being giant slayers that you have Jesus the giant slayer on the inside of each one of us and he's calling us to slay giants now before I get into today's message just one thing I want to say uh, some a friend of mine last week brought to my attention and I was as I was communicating about um, sin and the origin of sin um, that I you know when you preach you always get this moment where you can't say everything that you want to say. I'm going to have that issue again today, right? Unless you want to be here for the next three days, which you probably don't want to be. I know I don't. Um, well, maybe. Anyway, um, but you know, in, in sometimes you truncate things. And so last week when I was talking about um, sin, I made it out like it was entirely, you know, it was sort of referenced that it was Eve's, potentially referenced that it was Eve's issue. And I want you to know, women, I'm sorry for that. Because actually, that's been put on you for a long period of time. But the reality is heaven holds man accountable. Okay. So Adam was responsible for the shortcomings and the fall and eating from the wrong, from the wrong tree. And so I just want to clear that up. Any of you that were feeling like I had, you know, preached that it was somehow Eve's fault, it's not. Okay, alrighty, so, and thank you for the faithful wounds of a friend. Alright, so I'm going to, I want you to turn back to Ephesians chapter 2. I'm going to start there as a, as a jump off point, you know, who we are in Christ. And, and my intention today, if possible, um, is to actually preach, well I'll, I'll tell you in a minute, let's just read. Uh, Ephesians chapter 2. I'm going to read it from the Good News translation because I really, really like that translation and the, you know, the Holy Spirit really spoke to me quite powerfully about that. Um, and so we're going to read the first 10 verses of Ephesians chapter 2. And I'm going to start, In the past you were spiritually dead because of your disobedience and sins. At that time you followed the world's evil way. You obeyed the ruler of the spiritual powers in space, the spirit who now controls the people who disobey God. Actually, all of us were like them and lived according to our natural desires, doing whatever suited the wishes of our own bodies and minds. In our natural condition, we, like everyone else, were destined to suffer God's anger. But God's mercy is so abundant and his love for us is so great that while we were spiritually dead in our disobedience, he brought us to life with Christ. It is by grace, God's grace, that you have been saved. In our union with Christ Jesus, 
He raised us up with him to rule with him in the heavenly world. In our union with Christ Jesus, he raised us up with him to rule with him in the heavenly world. Verse 7, he did this to demonstrate for all time to come the extraordinary greatness of his grace in the love or the kindness that he showed us in Christ Jesus. For it is by God's grace that you have been saved through faith. It is not the result of your own efforts, but God's gift so that no one can boast about it. God has made us what we are. And in our union with Christ Jesus, he has created us for a life of good deeds, which he has already prepared for us to do. I love that passage of scripture. I love it. And I love verse six, in our union with Christ Jesus, he raised us up with him to rule with him in the heavenly realm. Other translations say that we are seated with Christ in heavenly places. We're sitting on the throne of God. We're sitting with Christ Jesus at the right hand of the Father. We're sitting from a place of rest and a place of union. We get to rule. And so this morning, I want to talk about authority and power. Specifically, your authority and power. And my authority and power because of Jesus's authority and power. You know, we've got to contextualize this first. You know, but Jesus, we know from John 1, 4, verse 8 and 16, that God is love. In fact, 1 John 4 verse 16 says this, God is love and the one who abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. You know, as we come to look at this passage, what we have to put on is this filter that is actually that God is love and that if we love, we abide in God's love and God's abiding in us. Okay, so there's that, that you know, as we come to look at ruling and reigning, the, the, the foundation point is the nature of God, which is love. Okay, so I just need to make that clear and I'll, I'll return to that in a minute. But then he goes on to say in, in 1 John 4, he says this, by this love is perfected with us so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment because as he is, so also are we in the world. You know, our union with Christ makes us just like Christ. Your position right now in the spirit realm, you're positioned and seated with Christ. As he is, so are you in the world. As he, this side was got it, right? Oh, as he is, so are you in this world. That's better. It's a little late, but that's okay. So it's important that, we recognize and we understand that in our union with Christ, we are just like Christ. Now you can experience that and you can think about that yourself and you can think, I don't think my life measures up to that. And I know mine doesn't. But that doesn't mean to say that's not who I am. It's just that my experience in my life is catching up with the reality of who I am, already seated with Christ in heavenly places. And because we're seated with Christ, we're in a place of ruling and reigning, which is a place of authority and power. So let's have a look at authority. In Matthew 28, Jesus says this. He came and he spoke to his disciples. He's just 
been, you know, resurrected. He's been about to be glorified and ascended into heaven and seated with Christ, with the Father. And he says this, he says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. All authority. The word authority in the Greek is exousia. And what that means is, well, what is authority? Authority is the right and ability, the power to perform an action. It's the power to perform an action, but it also includes a dimension of freedom. Authority operates within a legally ordered whole and denotes the power which decides. Let me unpack that for a minute. Think about, your, think about the US Constitution. The US Constitution is a legal framework. It's a legally ordered whole, right? It's a, it's a framework that, if that actually gives authority from the people. It gives authority about the way the land is going to operate. And that constitution gives us certain things. It gives us freedom so, and rights. So as, as an American citizen, you have the rights. You have a right to, uh, to a prompt and fair trial by jury. You have a right to vote in elections for public off- officials, which I can't because I'm not a citizen as yet. You have the right to apply for federal employment requiring U.S. citizenship. You have the right to run for electoral elected office. You have the right... The Constitution gives you the right to do that. The Constitution is the legal framework that gives you the authority to do those things, right? And then it gives you the freedom. It gives you freedom to express yourself. It gives you freedom to worship as you wish. It gives you freedom to pursue life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That all comes because there's a legally legal ordered whole, which we call the Constitution, that dictates how this land is going to operate. Yeah? Ash and I have just sold our house. We're not moving, so it's okay. We're not moving out of Raleigh. We're just moving, moving places and, you know, to a, a different house. So, you know, a few of you are wondering. Right? In selling our house, we had authority. We have the authority to put the house on the market. We have the authority to, to tell people when they can come and visit it. We have the authority to, act, to accept an offer. We have an authority to reject the offer. Why? Because there's a legal framework that says that house is ours, it belongs to us, and therefore we have authority over it. Right? What happens to that house, we get to determine. We have the right to decide. That's authority. Does it make sense? So coming back to the Constitution, actually as Christians, we operate under a far more magnificent and glorious Constitution than the Constitution of the US. The Constitution is called the will of God. The Constitution of heaven is the will of God. In Romans chapter 9, Paul says that all authority has come from God. God the Father is the source of all authority. And so the legal framework, if you like, that the Father's established is his nature and his will, which is his nature. Because you can't separate out what he does from who he is and who he is from what he does. And so the legal framework that we operate that gives us the authority, just like the US Constitution gives certain rights to us, the legal framework of the will of God actually gives us legal rights and authority and the power to decide and make and do things. Now, the Father... Because he had an amazing, awesome son, Jesus, who still has an amazing, awesome son. I shouldn't use the past tense. 
He says that in, in, in a bit uh, before in that chapter in, in Ephesians 2, in Ephesians 1, he says that God has made Jesus the name that's above every name and he's made him far above all principality, rule and power. The Father has delegated within the framework of his will and his nature, the Father has delegated authority to Jesus who is the head of all things for the church. Okay, so I'm just setting a foundation for us, okay, when we talk about authority. We have the Father who's given, who has ultimate authority and he sets the framework and the boundaries for that operation of that authority. It's his will and his nature. And then he's delegated it to Jesus and Jesus is working. He has, he has all things under his feet, but he's working to, until the point where we, he actually sees all things under his feet and he establishes everything under subjection to him. And then he's going to present all of that kingdom to the Father and say, here it is, Father. I've done what you've asked me to do. Here it is, have it back. The mission of Jesus is to, is to fulfill the Father's desire and then to give him the kingdom with all his enemies subdued, right? And that's his, that's his passion, that's his, that's his mission, that's his ministry, okay? And he's the leader of the church. Ephesians 1, it says that he has been given, he's been given as head He's been given all things as head to the church. So what's the authority, the legally ordered whole? Well, let's think about what Jesus operated in. He operated in the will of God. Matthew, sorry, John 5, 19. He says, I only do what I see my father doing. What's he talking about? I'm operating within the realm of the authority that's been given to me. Because it's the will of God that was the, is, you know, God's will is, was paramount. It's the framework within Jesus, which within Jesus operated. So he's saying, I only see, I only do what I see my father doing. It's important to Jesus's authority that he does what the father's doing. Because if he didn't do what the father's doing, he's actually coming outside of that framework. The will of God was the basis of Jesus' authority. He had to see what God was doing in order to exercise that authority. It's actually really, really important that for you and I, we align ourselves with the will of God. Now, here's the thing about authority. The higher up, you, if you're a military, got a military background, you know this. The higher you are up the chain of command, the more authority you carry, right? Because you have, when I say more authority, it's actually not that you have more authority, it's just that your authority stretches over more people. Because you're in that framework, a general down to a major or captain or whatever the framework is, I should have researched that and I don't know. (laughs) But you get the picture. The further you are up the chain, the more authority that you have. Now then, if we're seated with Christ in heavenly places, how far up the chain are you? Pretty high, I'd imagine. If Jesus said to his disciples, hey, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me and we're seated with Christ in the heavenly realms, what does that mean for our authority? We're up the chain. We're at the top of the chain. We're sitting in Christ Jesus. We have all authority in heaven and on earth by the delegation from Jesus Christ. You are are a person of authority. 
I don't know if you know that or not, but you are. And it's based on who you are in Christ. It's based on Christ's authority because the thing about authority is authority is delegated. So the Father delegated to the Son, Jesus. Jesus has delegated his authority to us because implicit within that command of that or commission of Jesus to say, hey, go into all the world, all authority is with me, is actually he's saying, I'm releasing you into that authority and I'm with you. You have authority. You have authority in the sphere that God has given you. You have the authority of Christ nonetheless. I'm just letting, I don't mean I don't need applause, I'm just letting that sit, right? Just let that percolate. If you're seated with Christ in heavenly places, that makes you a person of great authority in the sphere that God has put you in. And we can talk, we'll talk about that in a minute. But that's why things like running the Epic Conference for us are so important because we're learning to exercise authority and to understand the nature of our authority. So what, before we get into that, I'm kind of rushing ahead of myself really. What do we have authority over? Well, we've been talking quite a bit over the last couple of weeks about having authority over ourselves. We allow... And we put up with what we want to put up with. I mean, that's me moving house, right? I've said it once, I've said it again, right? It's amazing how much clutter that we put up with in our lives when we don't need to. Actually, I have the authority to determine what's in my house and what's not in my house. I have the authority to say, actually, that's trash, that needs to go out. Actually, that's good stuff, but it needs to go to the thrift store. No, that's good, I'm going to keep that. That's my authority within the house, within my domain, within my sphere. It's my authority to accept or reject certain things. Your authority in your life, in, the, in your union with Christ, you have authority as to what you accept and what you reject. So for those of us that are living with sin, those of us that are living, well, no, let me start that again. We're all living with sin. So don't let, let me think that, you know, I'm holier than thou. Right, let's choose a different example. Those of us that are struggling with habitual sin, how about that? Those of us that are struggling with the thoughts of the enemy that keep bombarding us, those of us that, are, that, you know, that we're, we're struggling with fear and doubt and anxiety and unbelief and all of those things, actually the authority that God has given you in Christ Jesus is that you have the ability and the authority, the right to decide whether you accept them and live with them or not. Now, you don't click your fingers and everything magically gets sorted out. Father doesn't have a magic wand, right? He, We've been talking about this already, but there's things like repentance and forgiveness and breaking off generational things and, and releasing, you know, having, uh, taking authority to cast out demons. There's, there's process, there's things, but it's actually up to us whether we decide to live that way or not. Because the Holy Spirit is the spirit of self-control and he's in us operating in us, giving us self-control and he's given us authority over ourselves. What we allow, what we tolerate, what we put up with, what we do, how we respond. You know, we don't have, having said that, we have authority over ourselves. We don't have authority over people. Actually, God always practices self-control rather than other control. What you have is authority over yourself. 
And in exercising our authority, I want to be really clear as we look at what we have authority over. I don't want us to think that we've got authority over people and we can go around telling everybody what to do. Because nobody likes the bossy boots. And it's actually your love, I think it was Sean Boltz I heard say this first and it just grabbed me. Your love, a measure of your love is what gives you authority over someone or not. They need to know that you love them. Okay, so we have authority over ourselves. What else do we have authority over in love? Well, not over people, but we have authority over sickness. We have authority over the demonic realm. We have authority just as Jesus did over the natural realm. You know, causing the storm to cease, etc. Multiplying bread. We have the authority to forgive sins. Did you know that? John 20, verse 23, Jesus said, whoever you forgive sins, they're going to be forgiven. If you don't forgive, they're not going to be forgiven. That's kind of powerful. We have authority to look after the planet. We have authority to, to... over the spheres that God puts us in, the spheres of work, the spheres of family, the spheres of our communities, the places where our feet tread, God has given us authority. It's the power to decide. You know that you get to decide, even if you're not the boss, the spiritual atmosphere of your workplace because you have authority. You get to decide the spiritual atmosphere of your family, even if you're not the parent, because you have the authority of Christ. Getting it? We have authority. We have it because of our union with Christ. Because he has authority, we have authority. Because he's sitting in the heavenly places, ruling and reigning, and we are now joined with him. We're sitting in the heavenly places, now ruling and reigning. That means that if there's sickness in your body, you have the authority to actually cast that thing out and command it to leave. If there's demonic that's swirling around, you have the authority to say, no, demons, no, in Jesus' name, and to tell them to leave. You have authority. It's because you're in Christ. Now, the thing about authority that is so important for all of us to learn, and I was asking the Father about, you know, how does authority work for us? And the thing about authority is you have to exercise it. It's no good having authority and not exercising it because then it's actually no good to you. Can you imagine a general in the army saying, okay, I have authority to send the the people into battle or I've got authority to make decisions, but then he makes no decision. Actually, D-Day was that. Those of you in, in your history of World War II, you know, the, 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 the Normandy, the, the landing, I think it was D-Day, where the, the, the Germans knew that the, the, the Allied forces were coming and they had to send the Panzer Division out, the tank division, but because they were afraid of Hitler, he was, who was sleeping, they didn't tell him to go. And, they got, and then obviously they were able to get across. I think my history is right. One of those extemporaneous things that I probably should have left, left alone because some history buff is going to come and tell me that I was wrong. So if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I'm sorry. <laughs> but the point, of the, the point I'm trying to make is that authority is actually about being exercised. We have a choice whether to exercise it or not. You can have authority and not choose to use it. Actually, authority and faith to me are quite close together. 
Because, you know, remember the story as Jesus comes down from the Mount of Transfiguration uh, and uh, in Mark chapter 9, and he's come down and, and there's, a, there's a, a guy that's there whose his kid is, you know, fully demonized and he's you know, thrown on the floor and he's frothing in the mouth and, and his disciples can't cast it out. Right, and Jesus, and they say to Jesus, Jesus, why couldn't we cast it out? And he says, it's your lack of faith. Mark chapter 16, Jesus says, and these signs, or Mark says in the, at the end of it, these signs will accompany those who believe. Now all those signs require authority. The sign is cast demons out, heal the sick, drink poison, you know, um, you know, put your hands on, get bitten by snakes and you're going to live. Authority over the spirit realm, authority over the natural realm. But the key thing is those who believe. In other words, those who understand their authority and their position in Christ and step out accordingly. Right? You can have authority, but you, can't, you, you can choose not to use it. doesn't mean that you don't have it. It just means it's lying dormant. And my charge to you this morning, my charge to me, because you know, these messages I'm preaching to myself before anyone else, is to actually begin to see who we are in Christ, to see the realm of authority that he's given us, and to start exercising it in greater realms and greater measure. Now, how do we exercise our authority? Interestingly, I want to have a look at John 14, verse 9 to 14. You don't have to turn to it, I'll read it. You know, Philip has just said, hey, Jesus, show us the Father. If you show us the Father, everything's going to be great. And Jesus is like pulling his hair out saying, oh, Philip, don't you realize that I've been with you all this time? How can you say that if you've, you know, don't you know that if you've seen me, you've seen the Father? How can you say, show me, show us the Father? You've been looking at him because we're one together, right? You're familiar with that? And then in, in um, somewhere in that verse, he says, the words that I say to you, now back, back up. Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I'm in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. Now, I've been grappling with that. Jesus is talking about the works, that, that, sorry, the words that I'm speaking, and then he's saying this is the Father that's working. The words that I'm speaking is the Father's working. And all of a sudden I realized, actually, if you think about it, pretty much every single miracle Jesus did were performed. We would call them the works of God, but they were performed by his mouth. Right? He commanded demons to leave by his mouth. He commanded sickness to go. Okay, yes, I know he laid hands on people, but it was also the, the voice that he spoke that commanded it to leave. He commanded the storm to cease. He gave thanks and gave thanks with his mouth, broke the bread and then multiplied. He told his servants to fill up the water jars. He told the lepers to go show themselves as clean. He taught the truth. He spoke wisdom. He spoke forgiveness, which the, the, the Pharisees were very, very upset about. All those things that he did, he did by his words. In other words, he exercised his authority by speaking. The, you know, the words of faith are the Father's works. Jesus said, the words that I speak, I do not speak on my own authority. Whose authority is he speaking on? He's speaking on the authority of the Father. And in speaking on the authority of the Father, what's the Father doing? His works. How do we speak? How do we exercise our authority? We actually exercise authority with our words. 
Jesus' words created a new reality around him and it was the Father in him doing the works and bringing it to pass. The words were a reflection of an internal interchange of ideas and vision that Jesus then spoke out, creating the reality around him. In other words, Father, what are you doing? I see what you're doing. Okay, I'm going to speak it into being. That your words have incredible power to create a reality around you. Why? Because when we align ourselves with the will of God, remember we're back to that thinking about that legally defined whole that the authority operates in. God has given us authority delegated from Christ to do the greater works. What are the greater works? We exercise those works by speaking to mountains and moving, by commanding demons to leave, by speaking to sickness to get out, by speaking blessing and seeing God move. Thanks, Erica. I'm doing my very best. (laughs) I'm going to run out of time. Exercising it by our words. You know that what you say carries great weight. We know from Proverbs that the power of life and death is in the tongue. Why? Because you've been made royalty. Why? Because you're seated with Christ in heavenly places. Why? Because you have the authority of heaven conferred upon you. And so you get to decide. You get to decide what your workplace looks like. How? By speaking blessing, by speaking life, by speaking the will of the Father by calling things into existence that were, that were not as if they were. You don't have to run around trying to do a whole bunch of things. No, step out in faith because you have authority and speak it into being. Now, What comes with that authority is great power. Because authority is the right to decide, but if you don't have the power to decide, it's not really authority after all. It's just wishful thinking. True authority has the, has the right to decide and the power to decide. And so what comes with being seated with Christ in heavenly places isn't just that we have the authority, but actually that we have the power of Christ with us. We're seated with him, so we get the the, the right to decide. We have the power of Christ that backs up heaven. What's the power of Christ? The precious and glorious Holy Spirit. In John, uh, uh, sorry, Luke 24, verse 49, Jesus says to to his disciples, stay in Jerusalem until you receive the promise of the Father and then you will be clothed with power from on high. And so what comes with being seated with Christ and and receiving the Holy Spirit isn't just the authority, but a, a new clothing, a new mantle, a new empowering of the Holy Spirit to be imparted to us. That power, it's like clothing, is, is, it's, it's, it's so intimate and so close, Jesus is saying, it's going to be like you're going to get wrapped up in a blanket. 
It's like you're going to wear a shirt. The power is going to be so present and so with you. Jesus says when the Holy Spirit comes, it's going to be like you're wearing a shirt. You put on a shirt. You've been clothed with that power. You don't have to take it off. You can keep it on all the time. You don't have to take off the power of God when you go to work because you're going into a heathen place. Because you're not in church and you know, the power of God only comes upon you in church. You don't, have to, you, know, you don't have to worry about whether you can prophesy or get some creative ideas or, or, or get some good business strategy or speak the word or pray for the sick because, the, because you're not in church with all those nice people that are around you. Because then the atmosphere is good and the music's playing and Amber and Matt are doing a great job and, and the bass is thumping and the drums are kicking and Ned's going for it and we're like, oh yes, now I feel the power and authority. No, you're clothed with the power and with power. You're seated with Christ. You're filled with his authority. You have it delegated to you. And what is that power? Well, the word dunamis. They didn't have dynamite in that day, but that's kind of the word that we've got dynamite from, explosive power. My, as I was reading and looking into it, this is an interesting thought. The definition of power, one of the definitions could be the possession of a controlling influence. The possession of a controlling influence, often, often understood as manifesting influence over reality in a supernatural manner. Okay, so let's just put those two together. We're not to have control over people. We control ourselves. Okay? So we're not, if, if actually people that control other people are they called dictators, tyrants, and just generally not nice people. Yeah? Who wants to be that? No hands gone up. Good. There's a relief because otherwise you and I are going to have to sum up some words afterwards. So we have authority, which is the right to decide within a legally defining framework of the, of the kingdom of God, the will of God, the love of God, his very nature and his being. And then in that, we, have a, uh, we are in possession of a controlling influence. You are a controlling influence in your spheres. The thing Jesus said to you, we're salt and we're light. Light shines, salt preserves. The authority of heaven is upon you. The power of heaven is upon you. It's actually for the blessing of those around you to actually bring heaven to earth and to take dominion or take authority over the spirit realm that's causing all manner of challenge and difficulty and actually to bring the peace and the love and the power and the will and the transforming glory of God wherever you go and wherever I go because that's why we have been seated with Christ in heavenly places and that is our authority and our power. You and I, we're, not, we're sort of slowly light is beginning to dawn. Because we're a bit, well, no, let me not say we, I am a bit slow. A bit slow. It takes me a little time to catch on. But to be seated with Christ in heavenly places, to be clothed with power, get, means that we're living from above to below. We're living from heaven, carrying the heart, the energy, the power, the glory, the goodness, the joy, the freedom of heaven to earth. And so as individuals, we actually have authority over what's going on around us. Not to control people, but to control the realm, the spirit, to control the airwaves, 
And we need to learn how to exercise that authority. Because while we have it, we don't know how to use it until we've practiced how to do it. Until we've come along by someone who actually knows how to do it well and say, hey, how do you do that? Until we get the revelation of the Holy Spirit, that the Spirit guides us into new truth. And all of a sudden we go, hey, I don't have to put up with this junk anymore. I'm seated with Christ in heavenly places, don't you know? I'm full of the power of the Holy Spirit. I've been clothed with the dunamis of heaven. I have the power to decide what's going on around here. And I'm choosing not that, I'm choosing God. And then the really exciting thing is that we as a church together have a whole load of power. I think somewhere in Deuteronomy, somewhere in the Old Testament anyway, you know, it says, you know, one can put a thousand to flight, two can put 10,000 to flight. One of the things, you know, in Matthew 16, Jesus uses the phrase to describe the church. He doesn't, he doesn't call it the church like we understand it. He actually calls it the ecclesia. What is an ecclesia? I'm just very quickly touch on this. An ecclesia is a Greek concept that was actually a, a governing body that was called out. The word ecclesia means called out. It was called out into a regular assembly of the whole body of citizens for the purpose of discussion and decision on public business. In other words, you know, we, what do we have? We, it's equivalent. We have the state assembly. What's the state assembly for? Deciding what's going to happen in North Carolina. Am I right? Who are they? They're a body of people that have been convened specifically to meet and to gather, to discuss what's going on and to make new laws and edicts and make decisions about what's good for the state, hopefully. It's a state assembly. So the word Jesus is saying there is, I'm going to build my ecclesia, my group of people that are called out from the world, that are standing in my power and authority, that together have the opportunity and the freedom and the the power to make decisions about what they allow and what they don't allow in their sphere of influence, which is the cities that God has given us. With every commission comes authority. With every commission becomes responsibility. Right? Jesus said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Go and make disciples. Hebrews chapter, chapter 3 says that Jesus was a faithful son over all of God's house. It's actually the charge of those who have been given authority to exercise that authority properly and to not lord it over people. In fact, Jesus himself said multiple times in the Gospels, he said, you know, the Gentiles lord it over you, but that's not to be you. You're not to use your authority to lord it over people. You're not to use your power to lord it over people. What you're to use your power to is to serve and cause others to be great. It's to love other people and to bring about the kingdom, which is God resists the proud and embraces the humble and to release the life and the joy of heaven all around you and to serve those people around you who have problems that they cannot face, they cannot overcome. They have giants in their lives that they cannot kill. So what am I going to do? The Holy Spirit says, well, I'm going to empower a group of people that are fully loaded on the inside, that are giant slayers, that are actually going to take them, going to confer on them power and authority, and they are going to provide what the people need 
because they can't get it themselves. And so it's actually up to you and up to me to be trustworthy with the commission. To use the authority that Jesus has given you well. To not turn up on the day uh, when we have reckoning and for Jesus to say, hey, listen, you were totally abusive. I gave you authority and you ran away with it. And you used it for your own ends. No, 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 no. Be faithful as a son. Moses was a servant of God and he was faithful. Hebrews 3 says that Jesus was a son and he was faithful. And actually he was given authority. You know that Jesus was given all authority because he proved himself faithful. Because he only he decided, I'm setting my face to the will of the Father and I'm only going to do what the Father does and I'm going to go to the cross and I'm going to lay my life down like the Father's given me that charge and I'm going to pick my life up again after the res- as I, and then I'm resurrected. And I am going to walk in obedience to the Father and in his, de- in his complete submission and obedience, in his death, his burial, his resurrection, he's now being glorified because of that. He's proven himself to be a trustworthy son. And heaven's reward, the Father's reward was, hey son, here, you can have authority over everything. You know that the Father is looking for us, not just to understand our authority, which He does, not just to walk in our power, which He does, but actually to be sensitive and to be loving and to handle that authority with humility and grace and freedom and allowing other people to be themselves. You don't, have the char- you don't have the controlling influence over people. You don't have the right to decide for other people. What you have the right to decide for is yourself and the spirit realm. And you can release the angels as well. And you can command the demons to flee. And you can speak to sickness and it can go. Now, You know, we're all growing, right? We're all growing in our faith. We're all growing in our understanding of of our authority. We're all growing. So if you're feeling like you're not quite living up to that power and authority, you're in good company. I'm here. (laughs) I've got, there's more to understand. So don't beat yourself up. But step into your authority. Step into your power. Ask the Holy Spirit to open your eyes to see who you really are. I want to invite you to stand. You know, we haven't got time to get into it, but you know, one of the things that undermines our, our authority is continuing to enter into habitual sin because actually it puts us under the realm of the authority of the enemy. So again, I just want to say, keep pursuing God for wholeness and cleanness and purity of heart because you're not going to give the devil a foothold. Hi, bud. My great 
nephew. I'm a great uncle. I know. I am great uncle. (laughs) And here's what I want to leave with you. I want to leave with you just the charge that Jesus gave. Matthew 28, 18. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Because all authority in heaven on earth has been given to Jesus and that you are seated with Christ in heavenly places, you are ruling with him in that authority. Go therefore and make disciples. Go therefore and be the controlling influence over the airwaves. Go therefore and bring the kingdom of God wherever you are. Go in the power that God has given you. Go in the might of the Holy Spirit. And I charge each one of you, if you want that charge, I commission each one of you, I charge you. I know many of you are way ahead of me already. Looking around the room, I see absolute champions in the faith, champions of authority and power. And I honour you. And I say, go for it more. Keep stepping out. Keep believing God. Keep using your words, the authority of your words to create the reality of heaven around you. Because as you speak, the Father does his works. As you speak, the Father does his works. As you speak, the Father does his works. Now that's assuming that you're lining up with the will of God, of course, which is why Jesus said, and you're going to pray, pray in my name. What he's saying is pray in my authority, pray in my... So, just if you want to, say in your heart, commission accepted. Lord, help us to be faithful. Help us to stand in the authority that you've given us. Helpful to ex- help us to exercise the authority and the power that you have given us with love and grace and humility. And Lord, every bit of people pleasing and fear, go right now in Jesus' name. Just say no to fear in your heart right now. Say no to ungodly ambition. Say no to pride. Say no to lording it over people. And say yes to heaven. Say yes to grace. Say yes to the glory of the Holy Spirit.